Jan, the uh, 36th music festival in the great city of Dresden is entitled Empire. Now, there's a big title full of powerful implications. <laughs> and to a Brit, it immediately triggers off all kinds of images. But what was your thinking behind creating this theme for this year's festival? Well, I do feel shy to talk to a Brit about this <laughs> because I do think that it's a big thing to go to England and talk to people here about this title. But I do think it's very interesting to explore through the history of Great Britain the effect of empires on culture, on the cultural consequences of the attempt to build an empire. Mm -hmm. Historically, I think almost all the empires have failed at least in terms of, you know, really holding the empire and, and the land around the world. But uh, culturally, they have actually done some good. Some things have uh, spread which wouldn't have spread without the yeah. empires. Yeah. So my idea was, of course, to bring the great cultural institutions of Great Britain or some of them to Dresden. And also it was an attempt to compare what does it mean for America, for example. We are bringing the New York Philharmonic, which was founded 50 years after the British colony finished. So I think it's, it's an interesting theme to go around the world and look a little bit also in other countries for the idea of empire. Yeah, we, we find it very difficult to let go of our empire. I think that's part of the problem. This is your fifth season yes. as artistic director and you yourself have been an integral part of the musical fabric of Dresden because you were principal cello of the Dresden Staatskapelle. So when this position came to you of artistic director, what were your priorities? What changes did you want to bring about to the festival? Well, I was at that point already living for a few years in New York and with my family and traveling the world as a cellist. So I wanted to help connecting Dresden to the musical world. And to be here in London is a good example. London is one of the great capitals of music in the world. And perhaps that also played an important role in choosing the theme empire because we just wanted to connect with London and with the uh, music life here. And thinking back now, my motivation was really to be kind of the foreign minister in cultural affairs for Dresden in the world, which is a very, very fun job. I mm. uh, do present in each festival, of course, the cultural life of Dresden, which is very rich and um, versatile. But at the same time, I really try to bring the most important musical voices of the world connected to each year's theme to Dresden and to give kind of an exchange between the world and this beautiful cultural city in the in the heart of Germany. I think that's that's that was my motivation. Mm. It, it must be exciting and satisfying putting all the building blocks of a festival into place. I mean, how do you go about it? It's a great process and I must say I'm not getting tired of it. It's something great for a, a string player who has only a small portion of the musical repertoire and especially since I'm already for now almost 20 years not in, in any orchestra or group it is great for me to think which Mahler symphony would fit with let's say the Beethoven Emperor Concerto or yes. those things this is really an, a job which goes beyond the repertoire I play on the cello and, and that is the part I enjoy so much.
the first piece of music we hear on this podcast is a, an exquisite little Elgar piece, Salut d'Amour, which you play on the cello. Now, Elgar, very important British composer, I think a great composer, still underrated in certain circles, even in, in his own country, apart from the obvious blockbusters like um, Enigma Variations, Pop and Circumstance, Cello Concerto. These pieces travel but the symphonies don't, for example, and I think they're such great pieces. As a German, what are your feelings about Algard? You know, someone once said to me that if he'd been born in Austria, he'd have been called Mahler. <laughs> you know, that kind of very <laughs> sort of formal exterior and a very passionate soul. I do think that it takes a long time to evaluate music history. We don't even know yet in the 20th century who will be the big heroes in the, in the future. Uh, we just completed the 20th century. And I always guess for Shostakovich because he connects so well with the general history. He connects with all the revolutions, wars, everything, patriotism, anti-communism, everything. But thinking of Elgar, I would compare him to Strauss and to Mahler. And I would say that right now already we see a big change from Strauss to Mahler. So Strauss was dominating the post-war era very much, Richard Strauss. And it's fading a little bit. Our interest in Richard Strauss, just commenting on, on trends, not judging. Yeah. Uh, and if I comment on this trend, I would say that Mahler is by far more popular right now than Richard Strauss. And his message, his big message, is just traveling very much right now. And Elgar, I think, is, as you said, still underrated. And I do feel that Elgar might be a composer even 50 years from now or so, might be championed even much more. It's very, very new. It's very important for the late Romantic period. Few composers who are very important for the late Romantic period are still undervalued. Foray in France. Edward Elgar, perhaps the composer with the late Romantic soul. More so this kind of decaying romanticism than Strauss, who commercialized that. I, I hope you're right about yeah. that. I hope <laughs> that his time is coming. I'm delighted to see a performance of The Dream of Gerontius, that yes, wonderful choral work, where the forces aren't English. That's very <laughs> encouraging, actually. Because <laughs> That was our concept also, to bring together people. So yeah. our great singer from Dresden, René Pape, of course, I wanted to feature him, the Kreuzchor. I think it's, it's perfectly suited for them to play this piece. And also we joined with the Janacek Festival in Ostrava to also have more performances just than just one performance of this wonderful work, which I happen to know for a long time. And I do feel also on the auditorial level, Elgar is not very well known. And this work, I think, will have a big impact to the Dresden audience. content of this year's festival. Two great choral works provide, if you like, the pillars of the programming. Um, there's Britain's War Requiem, one of the great anti-war statements in music and particularly apposite here, I think, with Dresden suffered so terribly in the war. Both countries suffered so terribly, but the, the most moving thing about that piece is the reconciliation and this healing process that goes on. I'll never forget hearing it for the first time and hearing Peter Beers and Dietrich Fischer-Dieskau in that final strange meeting. So that brings the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra to the festival with Andres Nelsons, their new principal conductor, and of course it's Britain's centenary. 
So, a few reflections on why you, you wanted that piece in the program. The War Requiem for me is both kind of a modernist work, a pacifist of somebody who really hated war, and Britain at the same time, but he's a modernist, he's a romantic soul. And I love that so much about Britain, that you always feel in this simplified and almost sometimes going back to Bach, in, in the structure, there is this romantic British voice underlying the music. Maybe I, about the war breaking, maybe I like that the most, this kind of melancholic tenor underneath, which is really almost Elgar. And you are totally right. Reconciliation, bringing the party of the war together in the Frauenkirche is very symbolic. We chose very consciously to do the war requiem with city of Birmingham and Anders Nelsons in the Frauenkirche, which was destroyed in the last days of the war by the bombs of the Allies. And I think it was war, terrible things happen. Now, most important thing is to bring people together again mm -hmm. and to show that one can overcome the terrible things that happen in war. And that's actually a big message of the festival. When I took over the festival, I was searching for some bigger message than just saying, rock city, beautiful city with lots of music history. And uh, I must say that the destruction and the rebuilding of Dresden interests people in America or Great Britain more than maybe the Baroque history. And I felt reconciliation and, you know, fighting for global peace is something that is more symbolic for Dresden than all our wonderful local musical history. mentioned Strauss and Wagner as in connection with Elgar, and this is a big Wagner year. <laughs> it would have been too easy, I guess, to go overboard and just really go for broke on the Wagner, such an important composer. But you do, of course, have the Dresden Orchestra's chief conductor, Christian Thielemann, who is a seasoned Wagnerian, and you have Jonas Kaufmann as well, which is very mouth-watering for that particular concert. Tell me, though, about this Love Meal of the Apostles, this oratorio piece of Wagner because I've never heard it or heard of it. Well, it was originally conceived for the Frauenkirche. I think it was premiered at the Frauenkirche. Wow. And, and um, it's incredible. It was once done in this location and uh, was an overwhelming success. And the Staatsgeber came to me and said, we want to do it again. Can we do it during the festival? And as you said, Thielemann is one of the most important Wagner conductors of our time. And I feel that was what I wanted. I wanted to specialize a little bit. Let's say mm. the Wagner card is mm. played by Thielemann in the Staatskapelle. The Verdi card I play, you know, with an authentic Italian orchestra, Italian conductor. So I wanted to be a bit more specific because I feel in, in a year of Mozart, everybody played Mozart. But that's not the point. I think I'm somebody who likes to in interpret music or to put an opinion how mm. music should, mm. be, should be played. So it's, for me, it's very, very interesting to work with specific performers for specific music.
Let's look at the portion of the programme that celebrates Dresden's musical past, distant past, and specifically the young orchestra that you've created under another Brit, Ivor Bolton. This is the Dresden Festival Orchestra. Now you're presenting a fascinating programme called Closet 2. What treasures lie within and why that name? I'm sort of curious about this. Well, musicologists and some of the very interested musicians who dig out works, they know that famous closet. It's basically a big closet in the library in Dresden, which contains of scores of the Baroque time written for the court in Dresden. And there's so much music that lots of those scores have not been played yet or performed yet, or at least not again. I'm sure they have been played mm -hmm. in, in the Baroque time. And so we, we just wanted to kind of give a picture and how that closet stands there and how you can really literally open it and take out scores and put them on the music stands. And you're actually presenting this. Yes, we, we, we really yeah. present a program where we take scores out of this closet, of course, with a little feeling what belongs together. And I think the festival orchestra is a wonderful idea to really build something. I was very unassuming in the beginning, Ivor and I sat together and I said, I really don't want to publicize this so much and say, we are creating a great orchestra. I said, let's just create an orchestra with many fantastic musicians all over Europe who are playing on so-called original instruments. And that is something which is not much practiced in Dresden. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was just the idea to start something. And in the first year, they gave a concert at the Zemper Oper and the audience went nuts. I was very happy to see that, especially since we didn't say we are going to create a great orchestra or something. I wanted really something to grow like a plant and to give these musicians the chance to grow together with Ivor, who is a great colleague. He's uh, incredibly knowledgeable, but also he's somebody who's not like the old-fashioned maestro. He really works with the musicians together and um, they enjoy discovering the music together. Mm, there's some, uh, some odd composers coming out of the closet in that, <laughs> in that uh, but also some familiar ones like Handel as yes, well. I yes, mean, it's, yeah. it's going to be a mixed bag. Mixed, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As you've already intimated, it's a big year for anniversaries. I mean, there's Verdi, of course. You have the Requiem, as you say, with Italian force and Falstaff. Lutosławski cannot be forgotten. Such a major composer, I think. Salomon, great advocate of, of him. I even applaud you for engaging the ukulele orchestra of Great Britain. I mean, where did that come from? And they're playing Wagner. I mean, it's hilarious. If I would tell you what was the first concert to be sold out, you would be surprised. It was, of course, the ukulele orchestra of Great Britain. And it was no surprise to me because they have been coming to New York, to Carnegie Hall, and been great success there. And we all love the British humor. And I think there is a lot of it in this creation. 
At the same time, there's also a lot of uh, serious work went into this project, and I, I can't wait to hear it. And I think the audience got it right away, and they booked their seats, and whoever wants to come now, it's really totally sold out. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what Wagner would have, I wonder what his sense of humor would have made of hearing one of his, or intimated one of his pieces played by this extraordinary group of people. Apparently he did have a sense of humor. Did he have a sense of humor? Yes, if I read... letters or documents of that time apparently he had a very good sense of humor well i guess the man who wrote meister singer has to have a sense of humor <laughs> really, yeah. now uh, another composer very associated with dresden is is of course richard strauss and you yourself are playing his um, nightly variations don quixote bringing you to the solo position again i mean is that a piece you particularly cherish Yes, I do, because I like the early Strauss very much, the one which is composed in the 19th century. The pieces are highly original and progressive for their time. And I do mm-hmm. feel music is always connected to the time. And if you look at the later Strauss, he falls a little bit back in music history. It's very and, interesting, because he was himself. a radical. He really he was. He was a radical. I mean, I mean there are the things first in operas. Hel- yes, and uh, yeah. Salome and Salome, Electra. Electra. This is really the music I love, and I feel Don Quixote is one of the most illustrative and imaginative and modernist works of Strauss because lots of these places still shock the audience when you hear the sheep. You hear all these noises and you yeah. think like, what is that? Yeah. So it's it's kind of a, a really fantastic piece for being written just barely a decade after the Dvorak cello concerto. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and, it's and you have quiet. To be, you have to be a good actor as well yeah, as a good cellist so, to play yeah. that, I think. And I was fortunate because I think this piece usually doesn't appear much. Maybe through my connection with Dresden, I've had the pleasure and, and fortune to play this piece very often. And it grows with you. It's really just incredible how this piece evolves. And I think still, one is like what we talked about Elga, one of the pieces which has not yet totally mm-hmm. found its place in the repertoire. Your enthusiasm comes across, it has great immediacy, it, it's, it's terrific. What are your hopes for the future of this festival? I mean, obviously you, you've created um, a style of your own with it and uh, you're attracting audiences and they probably love the, the mix of things you're presenting to them. What do you hope for the future? More of the same? Well, I do hope that we can establish Dresden as one of the great festival cities in the world because it has everything one needs to have a great festival place. It has a beautiful city with lots of treasures, fantastic museums, but also practical things like a ton of great hotels right in the center and uh, many different venues, which is very important for a festival. You don't want to go to the same venue every night. We have Mm. small, big, uh, medium size, um, off-road castles and various um, venues. So I think it would be great. I'm a little bit addicted to quality. I feel quality is something really we undervalue because quality can bring us all forward 
in all things we do, quality matters very, very much. And I think in music, I try to really bring artists to Dresden that people can be amazed. They, they hear these artists and they hear these performances and they, they understand the pieces in a deeper way and in a more complex way. And I, I really dream of uh, making Dresden one of those festivals where everybody is curious to come and mm. to, to listen to music in a new way and to be, um, for at least for a few moments, brought to a different world. <laughs>